This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Last week we started a series dealing with uh, biblical counseling and what I mentioned to you is really just advanced discipleship, taking the Word of God and helping fellow believers, especially those that are new in the faith, thank you, those that are new in the faith, be able to apply Scripture to every aspect of life. We gave you some handouts last week. Uh, I am not sure how many remember to bring those tonight, but if you didn't bring it back and you need those handouts, just raise your hand. Hold them up. All right. Oh, very, very good class. You did well. Either that or the ushers were handing things out back at the doors again. All right. Tonight we want to finish up this first study. As I mentioned, I really want this to be something that the Lord encourages us with, helps us with. Uh, as biblical counselors, we're always concerned that we don't make this clinical. We are not therapists, okay? You are not therapists. Uh, you are disciple makers if you know the Lord is Savior. You bring the gospel to folks that, that need Christ. You share the gospel. Uh, the deliverance is through him, not through church, not through uh, good works, through Christ alone. And then you teach them to observe all things that the Lord Jesus has commanded. But what is the basis for biblical counseling? I'd like you to turn again in your Bibles tonight to Romans. Uh, and chapter 12 is where we started last uh, time. Verses that you probably have committed to memory. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Since he owns us, it's only reasonable that we give him all of us to, to be used for his glory. But we're also admonished, verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. That literally means don't let the world press you into its mold. Uh, when I have my devotions each day, in the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, the, the Lord admonishes us to pray and don't lead us into temptation. Literally, what we're to pray is, Lord, don't allow me to be drawn into temptation, but deliver me from, and there's a definite article there, the evil. This course is speaking about Satan. Deliver me from the evil one. But when I pray through that, I ask the Lord to deliver me, not just from Satan, but I say, Lord, deliver me from Satan. But there's a greater enemy than Satan. Deliver me from self. There's no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man, God is faithful. But where does James tell us that temptation comes from? We are drawn away of our own lusts and enticed. So, Lord, deliver me from Satan. Deliver me from self, 
And then I say this, Lord, deliver me from the system. What's the system? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. There is a system that is controlled by Satan who has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And that system is decadent, it's depraved, spiritually blind, and that system wants to suck me into temptation. And so, Lord, those things that the world uh, is saying, their, their philosophies, the things that they say are more important than you, uh, vain deceit, their theories about origins and, and everything, Lord, deliver me from that. Give me discernment to be able to see that. And so don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove your, your Christianity, who you belong to, may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. All right. And so as we started last time, we noted that the thing that makes the difference for a Christian is a mind that's controlled by the Lord, a renewed mind. We're going to say more about that uh, later. And so the basis for biblical counseling, again, you can go back, listen to last week's message, and take your handout, fill in the blanks. But true biblical counseling, first point here, all counseling is God-centered. Uh, we gave you a handout. Uh, by Jim Berg, The Way Down, which is really an explanation of Romans 1 and verse 21. All right? So it's God-centered. I want to be very careful, and we try to emphasize this here. The gospel is not primarily about saving man. Say, what? No, the gospel is not about primarily saving man. Man is not the focus the focus is man being saved so that once again he can return worship to God. It's all about God and his glory. I cannot bring glory to God in my fallen sinful state. Even my righteousnesses are filthy rags until I am cleansed by the blood of Christ through faith in Jesus Christ. All right, and so it's God-centered. And I mentioned that in a lot of the, the counseling that I do, I, many times I'll just listen and just people explain what they think the problem is. And we can go a long period of time and they not mention God and his glory once. Okay, that's where the focus needs to be. So it's God-centered and God's word is the authority. Roman numeral two, all guilt is taken seriously. Freud, Skinner, and Rogers tried to discredit guilt. Uh, uh, said, don't, it's not real, or said, ignore it, or the guilt is really somebody else's fault. That's what they believed. But we know from Scripture, God created guilt to be the noise in man's soul. It's his alarm system. It's the conscience that is empowered by the Holy Spirit to let us know that there is a problem somewhere that needs to be dealt with. The problem is not the conscience. The problem is what has set the conscience off. And so guilt is taken seriously. And then Roman numeral three, personal responsibility is placed on man. 
God doesn't excuse our thoughts that produce the actions that lead to the feelings that we have. God doesn't excuse that. Everything will be brought into account before the Lord someday, whether it be good or evil. I won't be able to stand there and point fingers to others who tempted me to sin or discouraged me so that I stopped serving the Lord. Okay? I won't be able to do that. Why? Because I have the Lord. The power source, capital S, the Holy Spirit of God indwells the heart of every believer. He is our enablement. And so I'm responsible. Romans 1 again, uh, even creation, the conscience, point to God so that man is without what? Excuse. Without excuse. God calls irresponsible behavior sin. It's not a sickness. He calls it sin. Now that brings us to Roman numeral 4, and we're going to spend the rest of our time here this evening. So mark this down in your notes. Roman numeral 4, behavioral change can occur, and what's the next word? It can occur immediately. I'm so thankful that if a man or a woman is in Christ, they immediately become new creations. All things immediately start passing away, and all things immediately start becoming new. That's the promise in Scripture. I don't, I don't have to be saved this many years, and then, well, finally now I'm mature enough where maybe there's change in my life. No, no, no. When Christ moves in, change becomes immediate. Now, if you'll take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 6, again, I want to remind us of some truths in this passage to go along with Romans 12 and the renewed mind. Romans is the theology of our salvation. Romans is the book where the priest Martin Luther started to read here and in other places, and he saw that the just shall live by faith. He had convinced himself through tradition that I have to earn my way to heaven. And he was taken back dramatically when he saw the just live by faith. They put their faith in Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross, admitting to God they're a sinner. The Lord comes and indwells them. They're saved. They're rescued. And then the rest of the Christian life is still by faith. Salvation is by faith. Sanctification is by me continuing to depend by faith, just like I depended on the Lord when he saved me. But then in chapters 6 and 7, Paul begins to explain an important part of sanctification that allows the change to be immediate. Uh, months ago, I preached a message where we looked at these truths. Allow me to review these uh, for us uh, tonight once again. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? What is he saying? When you got saved... 
You died to sin. Now, it's not something we did. When the Lord Jesus moved into our hearts by his spirit, he is our, our new life. He is our eternal life. But when he did that, he put our old nature to death. You don't have an old nature. Paul said this to the Galatians, chapter 6, verse 10. I am crucified with Christ. With Christ, something in me was crucified. What's that? The old man. Nevertheless, Paul says, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live in this flesh, I live by or through faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One of the things that a new believer needs to understand, and those that we're discipling, we all need to understand, I don't have to serve sin. Why? My old nature got put to death. And now we're going to see that here in the text. Go to verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from what? Free from sin? Scripture says it. Do you believe it? Going on. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. All right. The Savior who lives in you by his spirit was resurrected from the dead. Your old nature gets put to death. When he comes to live in you, you have resurrection power at your disposal now to flesh out the new life you have in Christ. So with that being true, that's the truth you need to think. How do I know? Look at the next verse. Verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. When I counsel folks and, and as I've discipled, uh, I, I ask people, so how, how often does a dead man get drunk? They smile. Well, dead people don't get drunk. Um, and we could list a host of others. It says dead people don't do those things because they're dead. Likewise, reckon you yourself to be dead into, indeed unto sin, but alive unto Christ through Jesus our Lord. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal what? Body that you should obey it in the lust, the passions thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So here's, here's the key. You and I need to again understand the difference between the old nature put to death and the fact you still have fallen flesh. Somebody says, okay, if I don't have an old nature, why am I tempted to sin? Because you have flesh. There is no such thing as good flesh. We're going to get glorified flesh someday when we're with the Lord, and then the very presence of sin will be gone, but not now. 
Every day when I wake up, I've still got this flesh. And by the way, it got a little older. And so if you go back to the text, look at verse 12. In my Bible, I've highlighted the word body. Verse 13, I have un, or, uh, highlighted the word members. Again in verse 13, members as instruments of, uh, of righteousness unto God. All right. The flesh, your members, your body, all referencing the same you. This flesh that wants to eat too much, sleep too much, obey the passions that it once served before I got saved, I still have this flesh. When I got saved, I got a new nature, but I didn't get new flesh and I didn't get a new mind. I can't wait until I don't have this flesh in this mind anymore. But that is the reality. So letter A, the internal realities of our sanctification are immediate. They're immediate. Go to chapter 7 in Romans. Would you look at verse 18? Paul talks about the struggle that he experienced. Remember Paul? Well, he was a super saint, right? No. He had flesh too. Here's what he says, for I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there it is, dwelleth how much good? No good thing. For to will, to do right, to will to do right is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that which uh, do, that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now, wait a minute. I thought when I got saved, my sins were washed away. Well, they are. But what is the sin that still dwells in me? This flesh. And so verse 21, I find then a law. There are laws of nature. The law of gravity. How many believe in the law of gravity? Please raise your hand. Okay. What goes up must come. All right. The law of thermodynamics. And there are other laws. They don't change. You know there's another law. When you're born into this world, you are born with sinful flesh. And by the way, an old nature until you come to Jesus Christ. So here's that law Paul is talking about. When I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. He loved God's word. He loved obeying the Lord. But I see another law in my, where's it at? My members. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise a hand. Okay, I'm looking at that member. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? All right, here's the answer. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I serve the law of God. When I yield my mind to the word of God and the spirit of God, there's victory. How do we overcome temptation? Submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee. All right? 
So with the mind, I serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. If the flesh is in control, you're going to sin. And that can wear us out unless we are yielded to the spirit of God. Now, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, you see this uh, same truth evidenced again. If you'll go over there, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, that you put on concerning the former, or put off concerning the former conversation lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. All right, drop down to verse 24. That ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, the, I don't want to be technical here, but in the original language, what this is actually saying is you have put off the old man, you have put on the new man, but the admonition is to think that way. What was Paul trying to say uh, back in Romans? Reckon these things to be true. This is true of you. That's what he's telling the Ephesians here. All right, so how do we flesh out the fact we don't have the old man, that we have received the new man? How does that happen? Look at verse 23. But be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Again, this is the control tower. Whatever thought is in control here, that's what you do. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's why the scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Out of it are all the issues of life. Okay. And so he's saying to the Ephesians, if people are going to see, if you're going to see the evidence, no old nature, you've received a new nature, the Lord has to control your mind. Let's go on. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Not will be, but he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So if there are things in your life or my life that are not new, it's not God's fault. He has equipped us to be like him. Where's the problem? That other law is functioning in us because we're not yielding our minds and ourselves to the Spirit of God. And that often is the case then when you're trying to help a fellow believer, a new Christian, you're discipling, you're trying to help someone to overcome some stubborn habit in their life. Uh, what is the problem? I, I don't sit in my office and say, well, how are you feeling? Remember, right thinking leads to right actions that lead to good feelings. How do you feel? That's not the point. What are you thinking? By the way, that's good uh, advice for you parents as you're raising your kids. Don't, don't ask your kids, why did you do that? You know, they were born with sinful flesh. You already know the answer. Little heathens. So, adorable, but uh, anyway, okay. okay. It's better to ask, what were you thinking? 
What were you thinking? That's what matters. So, behavioral change can occur immediately. Why? Because of these internal realities. Look at letter B. Our external actions are cons uh, can consistently please God. Do you know you've been equipped to please God? How do we know? Again, the scriptures. Galatians 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Through faith, who loved me and gave himself for me. Chapter 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not, ye shall not, ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's a guarantee. Walk every step, every reiterated step controlled by the Holy Spirit, and you won't fulfill the passions of your flesh. That's not just the power of positive thinking. That's the reality of spirit dependence. Isn't this exciting? Isn't this liberating? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things, all things, all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. That's total victory. That's a pure life that pleases God. But I can't depend on me to make that happen. Now, it's important that I submit to God and resist the devil. I submit to God and I say no to the flesh. In fact, I flee youthful lusts. But I submit to God first. And by the way, the, the breath of dependence is prayer. When you start feeling drawn to something you know will displease your Lord, it is time to pray. Start talking to God. And I've, I don't know how many Christians have told me when I learned that spiritual discipline, it was victorious. I start talking to God about what he thought about the sin, about his enablement living in me. I was yielding to him. The temptation went away. And also God reminded me, now get away from here. There is a way of escape. I've given you a way of escape. Take it. Our external actions can consistently please God. Young people, this truth applies to you. Learn it now. Remember what your creator is teaching you now in the days of your youth. As you also deal with temptation. And one of the things that we have to be challenged with is, even in the church today... There are vain philosophies that are trying to encourage Christians. You're not so bad. And, and, and in the preaching, what often happens, or the homily or whatever, what they, what they start doing is downplaying what God has actually said. And a preacher wouldn't admit this, but what, he, what he's thinking is, well, the standard's just too high. I can't, I can't keep this. They can't keep this. So let's redefine the standard. 
And again, we do this subtly, but let's blame somebody else. Let's say, well, that was just for Old Testament times. That doesn't apply to today. And there are all kinds of things that are being said. Well, you have uh, this diagnosis. You can't help yourself. Hmm. But that's, that's what's being accepted by the church today. Let me illustrate it this way, and I'm going to have my good friend Tavis Long the Younger come and help me. I warned him. All right. Tavis represents the Christian. I'm grateful he is a Christian. He knows the Lord. All right. So, Tavis represents the Christian. Let me get this microphone on. All right. Can you hear me? Is this on? There we go. Okay. The top of the flagpole represents God's standard. Now, Tavis is a good athlete. I know he, he works out every day, right? Right? Okay. No? Oh, okay. He goes to the refrigerator and he works out every day. Okay. All right. Tavis, I need you to jump and touch the cross at the top of that flagpole. That's pretty good. I'll, I'll give you a couple more tries if you need it. What do you think? All right, all right, all right. We know this isn't getting anywhere, is it? Okay, all right. Now, Christians get saved. They start reading the Bible. And, okay, to will is present with me. I see what God wants. I want that. Uh, and they try. And they realize I can't. The problem today is they can go to Mr. Google and they'll find some spiritual teacher out there that helps them feel good about themselves and that, well, that's not really the standard. The standard's here someplace. You're fine. That's not what the Scripture's teaching us. The Scripture teaches us that when we got saved, we received the Holy Spirit. So I've called on a gentleman tonight to help represent the Holy Spirit Randy Boone, would you come up, please? <laughs> now, Mr. Taylor, I'm going to have you come help this young man get on the shoulders of this tall man, all right? All right, just, just wait. I don't want anybody getting hurt, all right? So, yeah, can you bend? I don't know how this is. Let's see how, okay. Could you help, help him get up there without anybody getting hurt? All right, get on his shoulders, yeah, that'll work. That'll work. All right. Okay. Ah, there we go. All right. Now, can you reach the cross, Mr. Long? There we go. Okay, now stay there. This won't, we won't be long. All right. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Without the Holy Spirit, without, watch this, dependence on someone far greater than me, without that I can't reach, I can't please God. In my flesh I cannot please God. Amen? That's what the scripture says. All right. So, but when we're dependent, can you reach that now? Okay. Absolutely. Easily. And how much effort was that on Mr. Tavis's part? Just, just had to yield. Acknowledge, I can't, he can. All right, now, let's 
try to get him off of there without. Okay. All right. Give them, give them a hand. I appreciate these guys. That we live in a day when Christians are redefining the standard. But God doesn't change. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. I can do all things through Christ. And so every day I need to get up and make a formal presentation to the Lord. Revel, or Romans 12, 1 and 2 again. I present my body a living sacrifice. God, I'm yours. You redeem me. You indwell me. And so, Lord, today... Would you enable me to bring you glory? Lord, I surrender to you my mind, my memory, my past. Every member, including my mouth. And I surrender you my motives. I want to glorify you with my body and with my spirit, which are yours. So, Lord, I surrender. And, Lord, would you keep me from temptation today as I yield to you as I walk with you. Our external actions can consistently please God. Now, let her see. How do we define normal? There's your next blank. How do you define normal? Earth and man were created without sin. Therefore, there isn't a normal person born into this world. Do you know what normal was? It was the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve disobeyed God. I'm so thankful that what I see in the headlines, that's not normal. All right? When I come to Christ, he saves me and he returns me to normal. What's that mean? He returns me to a place now where as Adam and Eve did in the garden, I can fellowship with the Lord. Not when he comes to me, because he's in me. I can fellowship with him every moment of every day, if I'll give myself to that privilege. That's who I am in Christ. All right? That's normal. And someday Jesus is coming back, I believe very soon. Uh, if I go by way of the grave, I'll be with the Lord. If he raptures the church away, and he's going to, but if he does it in my lifetime, as soon as I'm with the Lord, I get new flesh, a glorified body, and that will be normal. That will be normal. By the way, during the millennium, when Jesus reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years, that will be close to normal. But there will still be sinners on this earth. Uh, those who survive the tribulation, who have believed on Christ, they'll go into the millennium. They'll have children who are going to have to believe on Christ. Here's what's amazing, startling, sobering about this flesh. During the millennium, people who are living on this earth under the reign, the perfect reign, the benevolent reign of King Jesus. They're not going to want normal. That's right. 
And at the end of the thousand years, they're going to rebel. What does that tell you about your flesh? And can I just remind you, so don't listen to it. Don't serve it. It's destructive. So normalcy is restored at salvation through Christ and then dependent on, dependence on his spirit. And let's close now. So, Roman numeral five, acceptance by God can be every man or woman's reality. Acceptance by God can be every person's reality. Letter A, salvation is provided to all through faith in Christ. Romans 1 verse 16, Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Now why does he say that? Because the Lord saved me. I didn't deserve it. I don't look at anybody else, whether they deserve it or not, that's not the point. The point is Jesus died for them. And so just like I'm indebted to Jesus, I'm indebted to him to take the gospel to them. Look at Romans 10, 12 and 13. For there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that do religious works, that join the church. No, rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not work salvation. That's not in the Bible. If there was any way we could work our way to heaven, Jesus didn't need to come and die on a cross. There is no salvation through any other, any church, any religious system. There is one name under heaven whereby we must be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness. By that, the Lord, uh, uh, Peter is saying, some people count slackness as, well, salvation is just for a select few who meet the qualifications, who work hard, who keep this list of rules. No, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering long -suffering to usward, not willing that, what? Any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Coming to God, Lord, I'm a sinner just like you say I am. I can't save myself. I've already fallen short of the glory of God. I need you to deliver me from sin. And I believe that what you did on the cross paid my sin debt. So right now, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. But you said if I'll call on you, you'll save me. I believe that what you did on the cross, your death, burial, resurrection is sufficient. Please come into my life. Be my Savior. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So salvation is provided to all through faith in Christ. Sometimes as you're talking to someone, their struggles are just an indication they've never been saved. They've never been born again. And they can be religious and they can want everybody to think they're religious, but they've never come to the cross. Sometimes you have to take them back there. 
from time to time here will uh, have folks that say, well, I thought I was saved. I lived a religious life. I did these things in the church. And then one day God opened my eyes to my true condition and I believed on the Lord and was saved. Amen. And then letter B, salvation is not only provided to all, but acceptance is an underlying theme of soteriology and doctrines like redemption, reconciliation, and justification. Right? Acceptance. I'm so thankful that when I do come to Christ, I am accepted in the beloved. There's never been a time that the Lord looked down from heaven, saw Mike, and went, oh, can't believe he did that. No, he knows our frame. He remembers that this flesh is dust. And so he's long-suffering. He's patient. My sins have already been washed away. It's not a matter of sonship anymore. It's a matter of fellowship. I am accepted, but that fellowship can be broken. The relationship can be strained. There's nothing I can do to no longer be his child. But I can do a lot of things to break fellowship with him. In fact, he says, if I regard sin in my heart, he won't even hear me. I can't even pray to him unless I come back on his terms and say, Lord, here's what I did. It was sin. Please forgive me. 1 John 1, 9, and I'm restored. All right. So what are the passages that help us with this? 2 Corinthians 5, 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. I was reconciled to God. Now, friend, have you believed on Jesus Christ? He wants to reconcile you to himself. He wants to have a relationship with you, but you're going to have to come on his terms. Repent and believe. Galatians 4, 6, and 7, And because ye are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And we've, you guys know this. You've heard this preached here that Abba, Father means Daddy. The Lord is my heavenly dad. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Ephesians 1, 5, and 6. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. The word adoption, again, is not, well, I was born into somebody else's family, and he just adopts me. He lets me be part of his family. Now, remember, as a Christian, you were born into the family of God. The term adoption in the New Testament, that doctrine means when I'm born into the family, I am born with all the rights and privileges of an heir. Galatians chapter 4. You can go back and study that uh, on, your, uh, on your own. All right. Adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us... Among all the beloved, what has he made us? Accepted. Imagine that. The God of heaven, if you've put your trust in him for salvation, he accepts you. I'm not going to stand outside the pearly gates and have any conversation with Peter. When I die, it's settled. 
based on what I've done with Jesus Christ right now, I have an eternal address. It's heaven or hell. But when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm accepted. I don't, I don't stand at a checkpoint outside a pearly gate and convince Peter he's got to let me in. I'm accepted. And so this is the basis for our discipleship and our counseling. Now, as we move ahead, we're going to look at some other truths. We're going to look at, we're going to have one whole study on how important the local church is to what we've talked about tonight. And that's why I'm grateful that you're here this evening and I'm able to share these truths uh, with you. What did we look at this morning? God has got, called every Christian to great commission work. And we've been looking at the master plan. He has a plan for you, but it involves you reaching others for Christ, discipling them to Christ-likeness. And these truths that we're sharing are meant by the Holy Spirit for us to empower us, embolden us, to come alongside folks and give them the good news. You can know God, you, can, you will be accepted by God, and you can be like God, not become a God, but you can be like Jesus by yielding to the Spirit of God who lives in you. And that gives glorious hope in a very dark time in this world where people are searching, with, and they don't have hope. And they sorrow as those who have no hope. They need Jesus. Father, thank you for these truths. Would you help us to apply them to our own lives so that we can shine forth the light of the gospel to those who don't know, those who have never heard and those who have heard but maybe have still not received you. And so, Father, I pray that we might walk with you. That's where it starts, sweet fellowship. And then, Lord, apply your truth in our dependence. Thank you again for what we've been able to see together. Thank you that we can reach the standard through your power and bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.